Hello to all you beautiful listeners, it's me Greg Delmage back with some more random encounter for you and that means more news at the top of the episode. Understandably, the industry is a little more quiet at the moment, so there's not a whole lot and then we get to go into the episode proper, so let's go. First of all, we dive into the latest crowdfunding chronicles offering from Tina Ola, which features Sea of Stars. If you haven't heard of it already, this beauty coming out of Quebec, Canada has been uh, pledged up the wazoo. It's a wonderful retro-inspired turn-based RPG that now has uh, the uh, one of the composers from Chrono Trigger coming on board as well, which is fantastic. So this game is just shaping up to look incredible, especially with how heavy a homage it is paying to Chrono Trigger. The Messenger uh, was a retro action game. It landed really well as well, and I think it's pretty much on sale as of this recording on a bunch of different stuff. So go check it out. Go look at the uh, funding progress of Sea of Stars, see if you want to get on board uh, from this new offering from Sabotage Studio. At some point, someone got the idea that maybe we should let Patrick Gann out of uh, the music review section, and he figured, you know what people need to know about? Atelier. So you want to start an atelier as a feature that Patrick has put together that lays out the entire atelier series for you to kind of figure out, uh, is this something you want to get into? Uh, Gust has been developing these for ages and they just got this really lovely little kind of slice of life shopkeeping kind of look to them. Uh, they're anime as heck, but uh, there's a lot to go into. They've been rather hit or miss over the years. Back when I first started listening to Random Encounter myself, I was always curious about them as they talked about them, often usually Derek with uh, up and down different reviews of them. So anyways, if you want to know about uh, the Atelier series, if it's for you to get into, Patrick's feature is the place to start. Back in mid-March, Team Ninja dropped their follow-up to Neo, Neo 2. This uh, lovely action RPG was reviewed by Bob Richardson, who he has given uh, an RPG fan editor's choice to. This game looks absolutely awesome with the right level of challenge and, uh, and level design, but you know, it's an action RPG, so sometimes they'll suffer in other ways, like story. But all that being said, the game looks fantastic. Go check out Bob's review. Uh, another game that you may have heard of, it's kind of a big deal, the Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. I don't know if you want to hear about it, but if you do, go check out Alana's review of it. Overall, it says this is just a great time to be a fan of Final Fantasy VII, even if the game has its flaws. It's still a fantastic title to check out. It looks like Square Enix has done uh, its fans right but obviously <laughs> you're going to take from what you will and decide what you want about it because it's really hard to nail a remake. But go check out the review to see if uh, your opinions are in line with Alana's. Neil Chandran went on a nice little graphic adventure with Anachronist Many Happy Returns, and it doesn't look like it had uh, as many happy returns as he would have liked. That being said, uh, you know, he found some stuff to like about it, and maybe others will see more in it. I mean, you know, reviews are subjective as they are, but if you want to see if maybe, uh, maybe later games is... Uh, latest is up your alley. Go check out Neil's review on the site. So since Patrick was writing uh, a feature, I guess you know someone else had to step in and do the whole music review thing. And Hilary Andreff went into uh, the latest Square Enix uh, album release for the Square Enix Jazz compilation of Final Fantasy VII, and her review is great. This album sounds fantastic. Uh, I like the anecdote from uh, her dad. She got his opinion since he's a big jazz buff. Anyways, uh, Hillary really seems to know her stuff when it comes to jazz, so I definitely trust her thoughts on this review, and you ought to as well, so go give it a read. And look at that, that's it. Just a few things, but you know, one of them's kind of huge. <laughs> but at any rate, we uh, have a good episode coming up for you, so, uh, you know, enjoy the listen.
Hey listeners, everything's cool. I think I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a weird time, but everything's cool over here, so that's cool. Uh, I'm Greg Delmage. I'm here with a, a handsome panel of fellows uh, for episode 186 of Random Encounter. As always, joining me nowadays, I have my charming co-host John O'Logan. Hey everyone, how's everyone doing in their lovely homes? We'll assume they've said we're doing all right, John. O. I I hope so. There's my canned response for you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's doing great right now. Yeah, in my mind. It's fantasy land right now. And the other persons we have, uh, let's go over to uh, a longtime listener, longtime contributor, longtime friend, Nathan Lee. Hello, everyone. It's Persona 5 Royal Week. Yes, it is. It's pretty exciting. And we've had uh, some in progress from you come out. So uh, let's uh, see what the end of your progress, I guess, rounds out with. More in progress from me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. And then lastly, coming back for, uh, I don't think, have you, yeah, you haven't been on since our uh, like Game of the Year discussions and such yet, have you since then, Tyler? But Tyler Trosper's back. Yeah, hello. Yeah, it's been a little bit, but I'm glad to be back. We did shout out to you, I think, last episode, though. So, oh, you know. I haven't listened to it yet, but... It was okay. We were being totally kind, I swear. Uh, I'm kind of nervous now. <laughs> it's okay. You're great at playing action RPGs. That's what we talked about. That's how awesome you are. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Either way, thanks for putting up with me, putting up with us, and coming back on the episode. Same to you, uh, listeners. Thanks for being back here again. It's been a fun couple weeks of uh, getting through some trying times globally. We're all trying to figure this out as we go. As I watch neighbors walk around who I've never seen walk around before, we're all trying to take a little more time to ourselves uh, and make the best of this, which is great. And I hope you're doing the same and you're here listening to us to kind of, you know, feel some human connection, listen to what's going on in video games and uh, just have some fun with us as we goof around and drink uh, unseasonable eggnog lattes. That's what I'm doing right now, by the way. (laughs) It's the benefit of having vegan um, coconog. Because I can't do regular eggnog due to lactose and egg intolerance. Super fun combo. Keeps me honest. But they uh, did a big huge liquidation at one of like the local grocers when the season was done. And so they were selling like the little like Tetra packs of the coconut eggnog. It's my favorite brand too. It's so good. And it was um, like a buck fifty. So I bought like six or seven or eight of them or something like that. <laughs> so they and they last. You're good like on nog year. for months. <laughs> exactly. So they last till next year. So I was like, every once a month, because otherwise I'll get fat and I will drink them all in one month. I've been like limiting myself to having one pack a month, and so I just busted this one out and I was like, I'm yeah, gonna have your, a latte. It, it's your it's your quarantine nog. Exactly, in quarant <laughs> nog. I don't know. Let's not even. Anyhow, um, so if you want to hear about more eggnog stories, you can find me anywhere on social media as at Greg Delmage, pretty much. And I'm G Delmy on our Discord. Jono, how can the uh, listeners find you should they want to? You can find me at, at John Logan on Twitter, and I'm occasionally on the Discord. Nathan, where are you at? I'm at SmashKing27 on Twitter, and you can find me on Discord at SmashKing. And Tyler, you know the drill now. Uh, I am at Cosmos Chaos on Twitter, and that's Cosmos with a K and Chaos with a C. I mean, Tyler, you don't like Xenocide, do you? Oh, no. Just, you know, just a little bit. Just a tiny You've bit. only devoted an entire, like, Horizon, New Horizons uh, island to <laughs> Xeno things. Yeah, yeah. And created several outfits and characters from Xenosaga on my island. It, it's not a big deal. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast right now about video games. I know we're mostly RPGs, but obviously a lot of us have been playing Animal Crossing now. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, um, did you play Animal Crossing? Is, is this your first Animal Crossing, Tyler? Uh, technically, I rented the first one on GameCube a long time ago, but my memory card <laughs> nice. did not have enough space to save on it. So I only played it for like, oh, maybe, no. Yeah, like 15 minutes or something. So this is oh, my first official time. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, on the on the uh, my first time was on the 3DS with New Leaf, and one of the things they had, which I which I loved, is they had the occasional um, items you could get from fortune cookies that were like Nintendo Nintendo character themed and stuff. Uh huh. So I'm wondering if they will bring that back. I mean, they seem to have a very robust like costuming thing now, so you can pretty much make whatever. Right. But they had. Um, like, you could, like, get Yoshi's Egg and just have Yoshi's Egg chilling in your house as, like, a decoration. So it would be really fun if they, like, got, like, the Monado, considering that... how tied to stuff is. Was yeah, that would be sweet. That would be awesome. <laughs> yes. You'd have his Monado shrine. Yeah. Well, and the fact that you can put stuff outside now, too, like, I would love to get the Master Sword again and make a little, like, um, forest shrine for, like, the Master Sword, a la, like, A Link to the Past. It'd be amazing. So I'm hoping they introduce that again or it'll come back with the fortune cookies or something. I don't know. This game seems to be starting out like um, uh, the Minecraft kind of style. And then you kind of build it up to basically being more like New Leaf where you they, they kind of trick you into becoming basically the mayor of this island. So it's more or less the same game in the end. But you have to kind of earn it more now, which is kind of neat. At any rate. So that's what I've been playing a lot as well as you. So uh, I've been appreciating your uh, Xeno-themed uh, island <laughs> updates. Thank you. <laughs> yes, no kidding. Um, and Nathan, I know you've been doing a lot of Persona for uh, the site. Did you get New Horizon as well or no? Uh, no, I decided to skip out on it. Uh, I already have Persona 5 Royal, so that's my quarantine game. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, and we'll talk about that, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, maybe a later down the road, perhaps. Like I've already got like so many review assignments already, and it's just continuing. Yeah. So, well, now I wasn't uh, too hard up for it either. As much as I wanted to do the socializing and hanging out with people, it was a. Uh, I was also kind of like, I do have a lot to play as it is, so I think I'm okay. But then some very kind friends insisted I should have it so I can socialize with them and other friends. So it, it's been fun. I got to play with Gwen and Jono. What about you? Are you uh? Do you like to cross your animals? My Animal Crossing experience is my partner downloaded the uh, mobile phone version a few years ago and got oh, really camp. addicted to it. Yeah, Pocket Camp. She got really addicted to it for like five months, and then she just stopped playing it dead, went cold turkey. And a couple of days ago, I asked her, hey, do you want me to get get Animal Crossing for you? And she's like, oh, God, no. No, no, no. <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> she She knows her limits, and she will play within them. So yeah, there is there will be no Animal Crossings in this household. It'll be very easy to forget regular life and just commit to Animal Crossing life, which is, I <laughs> think a, a healthy-ish way that a lot of people are, I guess, using it for. Just yeah, to kind honest of to God, they can't do their routine as per normal, so they made a new routine in the game. Not that Nintendo planned it, but holy crap, did this their timing good on this thing? Yeah, no kidding. They just need some DLC to pay for. It's my job now. <laughs> right yeah it's very easy to get up in the morning make yourself a coffee or get cereal and be like all right i'm gonna do a few daily tasks in animal crossing and cool it's lunch now awesome all right <laughs> there goes two hours but it's been good i've been able to catch up with some friends and socialize when gwen's at her dad's we finally did tea up and i went to visit her island she comes to my island i helped her plant some flowers so that's been fun and stuff like that and uh share around some some ideas and 
tricks and stuff where she hasn't quite figured out. That's been kind of neat. So I've been liking that aspect of it. And uh, yeah, it's it's good for that. So, you know, friends, whether it's WoW or Final Fantasy fourteen or Animal Crossing, whatever, get that. Don't forget to, to socialize when you're playing your games. It can be fun sometimes. Or just hop on Discord and chat with people. That's been fun, too. I have some friends that do that. They'll mm-hmm. all play separate things, but they'll just be chatting like they're basically hanging out, which has been nice. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, games, though, that uh, aren't Animal Crossing, as uh, this is, you know, the RPG Fan RPG podcast. Jono, we uh, lately would not have a podcast if there was not some mention of Yakuza. Uh, what is uh, your judgment on judgment? Oh, uh, I'm afraid that future podcasts will be Yakuza-less because I have finished all of the available games in English and I am... Oh, there will be more. There will be more. There'll be one more in a few months. Uh, well, hopefully a few months. Um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is the turn-based turn-based next installment, which I'm super excited for. But yeah, no, I've completely... We have to figure out a way to say that pretty like badass though, to be honest. I mean, you can't say just like, Yakuza Like a Dragon. It's gonna be like, Like a Dragon. Or like, like the, the intro to Dragon Ball Z in America. Like, Like a Dragon! Like we just need a way to say it every single time. It's like I'm gonna play the Yakuza like a dragon. I'll tell you what, when I get the ga- when I get the game, it'll probably take me about a hundred hours to do, so we can workshop ways to say Yakuza like a dragon in that episode. Uh listeners, if you have any suggestions for how we should say the like a dragon, uh please email me at podcast at rpgfan.com. Anyways. <laughs> Stupidity aside, uh yeah, judgment, how's that been? Judgment was great. Um I mean it's a Yakuza game. It's I finished it. It it takes itself a lot more seriously than most Yakuza games I've found. There are still the occasional moments of wackiness and just in just you know crazy crazy side quests, which are essentially side uh, cases in this game. But the story and they had pared some down in this one, or was that six? Uh, no, this one was this one had confusing them. Six six pared everything down. It was really it did not feel I, I oh, okay I did not feel like a complete game to me. It like the story was there, but like all of this. It just didn't feel as sweeping as a lot of games, but Judgment feels huge. Um, it's there's tons of content. Like I easily broke a hundred hours on it. Um, the big difference I would say is Yakuza is a mix of just like wacky comedy and insane over the top melodrama, and Judgment doesn't have that. It's a very very different tone of game. It was it's much more episodic. It feels like a well, it feels like a almost a police procedural in many ways, like a television show. Like every single chapter starts with like a last time on judgment. And I think I mentioned that. Oh, dope. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And, and I guess that feeds into, yeah, like the law nature of it and kind of how people have been comparing certain aspects of it to, um, Ace Attorney kind of thing. So just that whole picking up the, the, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of Ace Attorney uh, references in this game, like a lot of them. Um, but I'm not gonna, it's not a, it's it's Ace Attorney crossed with Yakuza, but it's a lot more Yakuza than Ace Attorney. Um, that being said, I highly recommend it. If no one's ever played a Yakuza game, uh, you don't need to to enjoy this one. There are no there are no characters from Yakuza showing up in it. It's its own standalone story, um, and I highly recommend it. I think it was it was a very very enjoyable time. And it like it still has the it still has the yakuza wackiness to it. It just feels a little bit more pared down and a little bit more of a serious story. It takes itself a little bit more seriously than the main uh, mainline uh, yakuza titles, and that's not a bad thing. It's a nice change. Nice. And unless it takes like the total fun out of the surprise of it or something, like what was the wackiest, most like I guess out of context 
uh, side thing and or like mini game that you got to play in Judgment? Uh, well, there are various side quests. You throughout the game, you meet this uh, these twins, this brother and sister, uh, who uh, and the girl is called repeatedly throughout the story a pervert magnet, um, and she keeps getting harassed by a variety of perverts, uh, and they keep hiring you to track down this pervert and uh, and basically beat the hell out of him. So, like, the first one is, the first pervert, <laughs> oh, the first pervert is named, uh, Ass Ketchum. <laughs> Beautiful. Just chef's kiss. Yep. And, uh, it, it pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Um, and yeah, those are, those are, feel, those feel very much like, okay, this is the usual, usual Yakuza, just real, real sharp tone shift between the main story and the sub stories. Um. Another thing I really liked about this game was in the Yakuza titles, you always go to cabaret clubs and you form relationships with the uh, girls there and then you can take them out on occasional dates. And uh, it usually leads to like a romance scene in, in, in I think it's zero, one and two, you get what I can only describe as mildly disturbing little softcore porn videos of them after you successfully sleep with them. Um, is it like um, like Mass Effect kind of style, like Dragon Dragon uh, Age? Is it that kind of level of softcore, or is it no? They're a usually more on it, like the Witcher side, or where does it go? Well, the well, the weird thing is the girls are all uh, the girls are all based after uh, real uh, idols in Japan. So they actually have they don't use the character models; they use the actual like actor as as herself in the video so they're like little live action video segments but these were in all the older games and it was i mean oh, interesting never, yeah there's never anything wrong with it but in judgment you are genuinely like meeting women throughout the game uh, through cases or otherwise uh and asking them about on dates and texting them and so you actually like develop relationships with them and it's a nice change of pace um and it, it's a it's i mean i've never been a giant fan of the cabaret club uh, mini games, at least not the ones where you have to actually like form relationships. Uh, running the club is different, but in this, you just you know make friends, you form connections, um, and I found that to be a lot more fun and a lot more fulfilling. So there's a lot about Judgment that I really liked, and it's uh, there's a lot about it that I hope they carry over into Yakuza Like a Dragon. I didn't like that. Um, that's version one. We'll, that's we'll version one. In. We'll, we'll figure it out. This, it just needs a little bit of fine tuning. Um, on the whole, though, great game. Really enjoyed it. Was well worth the money. Um, it seems like all the Yakuza titles are going on sale with regularity now, I guess, because, you know, everyone's stuck inside, so they want to capitalize. So if anyone out there is looking for some really long, fun games and you like you like beat-em-ups uh, with a lot more depth than the usual beat-em-ups... Yakuza titles are a good choice, and Judgment is a very good place to start. That's awesome to hear. Cool. I uh, I am very interested to see what Like a Dragon uh, sounds like and comes out like, because it's neat that it's going to be very like... Um, oh, that's what we were going to talk about. Have you? Did you watch um, Dragon Quest Your Story yet? No, I actually haven't. I Oh my gosh, okay. We can't even touch on that. Uh, Nathan, you watched it, right? No, Entire? actually I haven't, and uh, just hearing about it makes me not want to watch what? it. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. Well, because it was funny because um, Jono was saying, um, what were you uh, Yeah, with Like a Dragon, it's basically through the point of view of like someone who is like very much invested in kind of like 
RPGs and stuff, right? Or something like that? Yeah. The, the, I haven't looked that much on it. Uh, I mean, I've. this is based on who knows how it'll be spun in the English translation, but the uh, uh, the idea is the new main character, because it's not Kiryu, uh, he is a giant fan of Dragon Quest, and uh, I guess he gets brain damaged or something, so he starts seeing the entire world as a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> so, like, you're... And it's, it's a... a apparently... It is going to be very similar to a Dragon Quest game in terms of like there's a full blown job system. It's turn based combat. Nice. It's uh, it's going to be a very different flavor. It'll be a different flavor, but apparently they're really going to be shoving a lot of Dragon Quest references in there, which is really interesting to me because it's Sega. Um, That's going to be kind of cool. But um, without getting into the film, since you two haven't seen it, but Tyler, uh, you can probably now pick up on where I'm going with the relation between these two yeah. things. Yeah, I know where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. So I was very curious to see once they've seen the film, how this gets perceived with them as well. So it'll be interesting. Anyways, we won't go into that. But people who have seen the film, you probably know where I'm going. You may be picking up now what I'm hinting at for you two. Anyways, whatever. We'll go into that at some point in time. But for now... Um, you know what? I was going to do another thing, but I'm going to switch it around because we were just talking about Dragon Quest. And Tyler, you were playing Dragon Quest XI-S, which we've talked about Dragon Quest XI on the show in the past when it came out uh, in pretty decent detail. But Dragon Quest XI-S, when did we get that? Was it... Man, how long ago did we get to XI-S? Um, was, was it 2020? No, it was last year. Or was it just before Christmas? I think it was, yeah, it was, it was like, okay. yeah, November or something. I think it was November, that yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, we haven't really talked about it on the show since because no one who had played 11S came on the show to really talk about the differences. We've only had the people who've played the original and weren't getting the, the newer version yet. So, yeah, how does this one handle with the better soundtrack, the extended story beats, all that sort of stuff? What, what, how do you feel about um, it? Well, um, first of all, uh, this might be sacrilegious, but this is actually my first Dragon Quest game. And I didn't. That's I, okay. You can start big. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't play the PlayStation 4 version, but I, I do know some of the additions. Um, but it was a very enjoyable game. Um, I It took me 165 hours, which... Uh, I It was... Yeah. Did not expect that. Um, but, like, some of the new additions, like, the there's some extra side stories for characters during the game's second act... Um, which were some were pretty good. Did it some feel like a hundred? Like a bit. God, yeah, it felt like 165. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I really enjoyed the game, but after a while, I it it kind of overstayed its welcome, especially in Act Three, in my opinion. Oh, that's unfortunate. But um, yeah, it was in- enjoyable. And then, um, soundtrack wise, the um. I mean, it was still kind of repetitive, um, especially reusing the same town. Yeah, even orchestrated. There's it's a very small selection of music to choose from. Yeah, I changed it to the original soundtrack like once for like maybe five minutes, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna go back to the orchestra." <laughs> oh, this is why people wanted this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, music in Dragon Quest games is a fairly controversial topic. So I've heard. Yes. So I've. It's so weird. It's. Yeah, and so that's, well, I mean, yeah, that probably didn't help make it um, overstay its welcome, I suppose. Like, what do you feel 
do you feel like the added content wasn't really enough to make it more enjoyable and you more just felt like more padding or was it enough that you're like when you got to it that you're like oh okay well at least there's this and maybe did it reinvigorate it or are you just like done by the time you got to extra stuff um it really depends i really i did like the side stories even though some of them are kind of short and kind of i don't know they were they're were all right um but as far as like any other content i i'm not certain like at some point what stuff was or like from the switch version what stuff was from the playstation 4 version i know there's at one point where you can marry a, a one of your or i quotation marks marry one of your party members and i guess that wasn't in the playstation 4 version because i was talking about it with some friends and they were like wait what but Oh, okay. That was, um, so that mean that adds something a little more exciting. Yeah. So of course I married Silvando, which was great. But uh, I was going to say, did you marry <laughs> Silvando? Because yeah. I feel like he's the one that everyone probably God, should. Yes, and it was great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm sure it was a fabulous wedding. It 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 was it was quite the quite the relationship there. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable. I just near the end of I mean Act Three in general just felt like a drag even though it was like an additional i think it took me an extra 30 hours and i still didn't do everything in the game and i i didn't really do any oh yeah that's right there was that other added content the uh 2d mode um oh yeah how did that handle because you could swap back and forth or was it just when you were in handheld only like how did that play um, out? when you the 3ds version was really exciting when you went into churches you could uh switch the game to the 2d mode i think it makes i think it's supposed to make us extra uh separate save or something like that um and there's also you can go to i think it was talking 10 or you can go to this extra place and go to back to dungeon or areas from older dragon quest games which i i, I messed around with a little oh right yeah yeah i messed around with a little bit which I, i'm sure longtime fans might like enjoy that but since I didn't really have the nostalgia, I didn't really do much of that. Kind of lost on you. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. But it was an interesting. So yeah, it, as a yeah, so something I loosely asked but didn't really like. We went on a different point, but yeah, like, do you feel there's any way that could have been made this a more enjoyable 160 hours, or is it just because it was such repetitive Dragon Quest? Like, was the story just not quite grabbing you, or what would have oh, reinvigorated that? I mean, I really. Uh, I mean, the story was all right, um, especially during Act 2, but I honestly, I kind of wish they had just stopped at Act 2 and just Act 3 didn't exist. Um, that would have been a lot more enjoyable to me, but that that's my opinion. And that's totally fair, because, I mean, uh, Nathan, if I recall, you played it? On the PlayStation Four, like the the core version. Yeah, I played the original version. I didn't finish it though, but I was pretty close to finishing it. And did you not finish it, kind of for the same reasons? Like, did you fall off it a bit? Like, it was overstaying its welcome, and you just kind of had to put it away for a bit, or is it more just you had other priorities? Other priorities, and then I heard what they were doing to Eleven S, and I was like, I'd rather finish it on the Switch instead. But then, but then the <laughs> problem is, like last year I was got busy, then I never ended up playing it on Switch. I have it though; it's sitting in my room. Oh, you do have 11S. Gotcha. Cool. Well, we'll get to hear, I guess, how you weigh in on it, I suppose. 
but have you mostly enjoyed what you've played by comparison? Yeah, I, I did really enjoy Dragon Quest Eleven. Like, I like I love Dragon Quest as a series in general. Uh, but same issues I always have is with the music. It's like the Dragon Quest. Like, it was like fine when it was on DS and whatever. You had like six tracks total, but when it's on PlayStation Four and you have like ten tracks, it's like, eh, it's not even orchestrated. Yeah, like right, and even now the orchestration helps, but the limited number. It's weird how easily you, I guess, you can take the music for granted for how much it does add to the repetition or not of a game, and like how quickly you're like, well, I'm going to switch this off and put something else on instead. And I don't know if the game has like setting sliders for that where you can turn off just the music volume but keep everything else. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it to be honest. I have it. Yeah, I'm not certain either. Yeah, I was curious you know, if you could just go and throw on your own orchestrated whatever if you wanted. I was about to say that like, wouldn't it be cool if, I, I don't know if this exists or not, but if somebody online is like hacked Dragon Quest Eleven to like drop in Final Fantasy tracks, just switch out the music and put in a better soundtrack. <laughs> uh, th- I know there was a mod for it on yeah. PC that someone had made, but obviously you couldn't do yeah, that. I was just going to mention that the PC version has a mod where you could put in the orchestrated music, so that would be a little easier. I think uh, Scott streamed it on our Twitch channel. He did with that, yeah. That was his uh, nice little uh, adjustment to it that I think was very welcome. But still, only so much music is out there of that game. At any rate, I'm glad you did have a mostly good time with it, and you've cleansed the palette, though. What are you moving on to aside from uh, Horizon Zero Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, <laughs> Animal Crossing, Horizon Zero Dawn. You're going to get invaded by uh, robotic <laughs> animals and stuff that join your island. Uh, but yeah, New Horizons. What do you? Is that mostly consuming your time, or you got another RPG in the... In the bucket. Well, in between that, um, I've been playing uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4, and I do have Fire Emblem 3, oh, three Houses finally, but I haven't started that yet. Well, you have it on uh, good authority from a few folks here that that's probably going to be a very good time. <laughs> yeah, I mo- that's why I mostly bought it, because everybody here loves it so much. Yeah, I need to get back to that as well myself, and that probably will be... Uh... Once I get through a few projects, will be my next uh, RPG to pick up in in this uh, self isolation. But cool, thanks for sharing that. Um, speaking of, uh, I guess you know, things to do to uh, keep you very busy in self isolation. Uh, Nathan, you've been uh, farming in Rune Factory for you did that a bit ago, obviously, because that was your last big, I think, review project. But it was, uh, I guess, kind of like Persona Five, where it was uh, longer than expected. Oh, the. Mostly because of some game mechanic yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, um, like, I played the original Root Factory. It was my most played 3DS game. Well, well, one of my most played 3DS games, I should say. I put in over 600 hours in the original version. Um, so I knew how long this was going to be and how much time I was going to spend on it. But, uh, but of course, the event, town event RNG, like, made it a little bit longer than I was hoping it would be for my review. So that's a little bit unfortunate. And you, um, yeah, for Rune Factory, did you play the first Rune Factory, the second, the third, etc., all the way up to four? So I played the mainline series, I guess mainline quote-unquote series of Rune Factory, which is one through four. I didn't play any of the spinoffs that are on console, so I didn't play Tides of Destiny or Frontier. Frontier. Mm-hmm. So it's just for me, it was just on DS. So that, that's why when I played Rune Factory four for the first time, I, I just it blew me away with all the improvements that it made since three. So that, that's why, like, I was so high on Factory 4 when it came out. Amazing. And with Rune Factory, like, did you play Harvest Moon before that? 
Yeah, so I played, uh, like, as I think I mentioned what we were talking before we started the podcast. I My first one was Friends of Mineral Town. And then I played a couple more after that. I, the names escaped me, though. I can't remember what those ones were. I think there's one on DS. And then, but you started on the GBA. Yeah, I started on GBA. Because it's actually funny, because I think it was my sister's game at first. And then she wanted my help with certain parts of the game. And then eventually I just ended up taking the game from her. And this, it just, like, <laughs> you I got, just got super addicted, addicted to farming. I got super addicted it to, does that. Like, to Harvest Moon. My first Harvest Moon was 64, and I think a friend of mine had rented it when I was visiting his house. And, um, yeah, and he's like, I got this Harvest Moon 64 game. I was like, what's this about? That sounds kind of cool. And he's like, oh, it's all about farming and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> right, whatever. And then jump cut to me playing until like 3 a.m. while he's off asleep. And so I was hooked right after that. It's it. It's I find like the Harvest Moon, the farming sim thing. It's a, like a love it or hate it thing, right? Like you're either really mm-hmm. into it or you want nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's why I like Rune Factories because even if you don't like like a lot of that farming aspects of the game, there's always the RPG parts of Rune Factory, which is the great uh, gameplay diversity. Which is why I can never go back to Harvest Harvest Moon or Story Seasons now. And that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, like so the jump from Harvest Moon to Rune Factory was a welcome one for you, even though. Uh, I still find, I mean, my most of my Rune Factory experience is in Frontier. I did rent the first one back when I think I first got my 3DS. Uh, I had rented some, I had borrowed some, or maybe it was when I got my DS, and I had gotten some DS games just to try some different stuff out. But I eventually tracked down a copy of Frontier when it was uh, hard to find. And so I've always found the combat to be a bit ham-fisted. It's not well integrated, it, but it's, it's there. That long. It, it's not that well integrated. Like even Rune Factory Four, I'm basically just mashing one button to to win in combat. But it's still like it yeah. still gives you something else to do besides just farming, right? You get to go out and explore dungeons and you know pick up some mm-hmm. nice materials that you can make your own weapons from. It's it's it's, it's, the, it's the stuff that surrounds the combat that makes it great. Yeah, it, it changes up the formula, which I think was a nice shakeup for people who wanted a bit more to do. Like, there's people, again, who love just the Animal Crossing day-to-day whatever stuff of just farming, getting to know the neighbors, that sort of thing. It's very much that slice-of-life kind of RPG aspect is something that a lot of people crave. But yeah, having that change of pace to be like, you know what, instead I'm going to go do some mining and have to fight some monsters. What blew me away was uh, that you couldn't just like go and buy your uh, animals that you had to actually tame them and that you could tame the monsters to become like your farm animals which i thought was really cool like get your the cow the uh, i think in frontiers they're called the the buffamoos yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like a big buffalo cow hybrid thing and then that becomes like your your cow at home and then conversely you can also train some other animals and then they'll come back and help you out on the farm and stuff too which was kind of neat and you could also take them with you into combat uh, I don't know. Was that in the original Rune Factory that you could bring monsters with you into combat, or was that later introduced? No, that, that was introduced in the original Rune Factory. Oh, okay, cool. At least I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I, I, I like, it was great. I, yeah, the original Rune Factory was years ago, and I, 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 the memory escapes me if you could bring them it's into combat. It's been a while. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you could. I remember you could definitely bring townspeople into combat with you. But Oh, yeah. that's cool. That was, I don't think that's in Frontier. Oh, that's, that wasn't Frontier? Interesting, because that's... No, it's not. Uh, it's just people you can romance and stuff, but I don't. I haven't seemed to have anyone I could adventure with. Oh, okay. That's a, that's always been a thing in Room Factory games. So it's interesting that they would take it out of this particular entry. Or I just haven't unlocked it yet. I mean, I've, I haven't gone through. It's a it's a long play, and I don't. I think I've only gone through my first year, maybe. That's when I come back to. Like, I could go through it in doses. 
Like, okay. I love it, but it's also, it can very easily suck me in for too long, so I have to, like, set it aside for a bit. Um, yeah, I know similar what you mean. To, it's part of the reason why I haven't done Stardew Valley, because I know I'll just be like, cool, my life is, is done now. I will just play <laughs> Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. Like, I go back to Rune Factory 4 special every, like, couple of weeks just to make sure I remember what I was doing, because if I, I know if I leave it for too long, I'm going to forget what I was doing, and then everything gets messed up from there. So... So. Yeah, it's, if you've got stuff like planted in what dungeons and what things you were working towards crafting and who you were romancing and yada yada yada, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to remember. And amusingly, since you bring up Friends of Mineral Town, that's coming out on the uh, Switch now. They're finally uh, porting that, although they're changing it over from Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town, or two story, story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town, instead of it being Harvest Moon. So I guess they're making it much more obvious that quote unquote Harvest Moon is done. Or it's I guess whoever originally now. had the it's, rights. Yeah, so it's a complicated st- story. What happened with Harvest Moon? Harvest Moon still exists. It's just a different series now. But Story Seasons is formerly Harvest Moon. Yeah, the Lighthouse of Hope or whatever Harvest was Moon awful looking. <laughs> yeah, the Harvest Moon ones, the typically typically the ones that don't look as good now. <laughs> yeah, it looked like just a very like slightly better mobile game. It really didn't land well, even though it was like a console release. I was just like, what is? Nope. I, I like the look of Story of Seasons now. I have the original Story yeah, of Seasons, yeah. and it was very similar to Core Harvest Moon, but there's a lot to unpack in that game. And I kind of wish I'd held out for 2, because 2, again, seemed to iterate and do a lot better uh, with the formula and make a lot more nice quality of life stuff and make it a bit more engaging. And But this one seems to be, yeah, straight up just the original. So I'm just wondering if whoever the, led the studio over to because it was one of the original harvest moon creators who kind of split off to do their own thing with story of seasons right i think so. i actually i'm not sure because i think it's more of a case of the western localization well, changed well, because it went um, f- isn't it still like the same series but natsume like still has like the trademark for the the, the name harvest moon so they've been making their own separate games and exceeds yeah something like that yeah. Because it's it's actually the marvelous. I don't yeah. know if yeah, Natsume is so Natsume owns the naming rights to Harvest Moons. That's why they can make their own series. Mm-hmm. But but Exceed now owns the rights to the yeah. original Harvest Moon series. So they renamed it to Story Seasons. Mm-hmm. So Story Seasons is the as the oh, ones from okay. the original developers. Mm-hmm. Oh, intro. That's a weird. <laughs> so yeah, so Harvest Moon technically now isn't the so, yeah, original developers anymore. Yeah. Story of Seasons <laughs> is that is weird. So that's why they were able to have the rights to port Friends of Mineral Town, but that's why they had to change it to Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town. Yeah, super so confusing. So if we were to us. get any ports, uh, that's what would happen to us in the future, too, if we were to say, get like Story of Seasons 64. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Either way, it's, uh, that's a, it's a weird thing when it comes to, I guess, rights and such. But um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyler, are you have you been doing any other farming outside of uh, you know Horizon? No, not really. I've I played a little bit of um, Harvest Moon a long time ago, um, like not very much. Um, didn't didn't grab you as much. Uh, it was all right. Um, I I guess I didn't get as invested as I am in Animal Crossing now. But and then I I have Stardew yeah, Valley, but I haven't dedicated much time to it yet. Uh, so, and how about you, Jono? Have you ever, like, dabbled with the farming sims, or uh, is that a, a niche that hasn't really been for you? Uh, I played the original Harvest Moon for SNES for a little while. I liked it. It didn't grab me a whole lot, yeah. but I, I liked it. 
Um, and uh, I just kind of assumed that Stardew Valley just killed Harvest Moon and buried it in one of the fields where it was growing <laughs> tomatoes. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it kind of has from what I've seen because it's like the best of. Yeah. It's basically perfecting on everything that Harvest Moon kind of laid the groundwork for and that Rune Factory laid the ground for. So I can't blame people for wanting to turn to it for what it is. And we have a ton of spinoff things of it now as well. You know, there's My Time at Portia, which is like a very different version of that, which I'd be interested to try out. And um, Seasons of Mara, I think, is one coming up soon that's going to be on the Switch. And that one looks really cool, too. Hmm. But again, very much more broad and diverse. And I don't know if it has. I haven't looked into it super in depth, so I don't know if it has like the combat aspects. I tried a demo uh, back when kind of self-isolation was starting. There was a, uh, an indie um, kind of showcase on Steam, and one of them was uh, oh, is it story something mm, stories from the garden? What is it called? But it's like a little like RPG where you play as a grape called Concord, and you're a little chosen hero. So it plays very much like a Zelda-like, but there's also a bit of like town management and farm management as well, because you can eventually start crafting stuff in town and helping develop the town. So that's kind of like a best of both worlds as well. So like, there's a ton of them out there, but yeah, like. Stardew Valley has definitely dominated for a reason, so it's. I played Stardew Valley. I guess I, I liked it. I I played it for mm -hmm. a couple of in-game months. I was engaged by it, and then I just kind of stopped playing it. Just farm sims are fun, um, but they've never quite clicked with me in terms of my engagement. I just kind of use them as a, you know, okay, that was fun. Kind of done with that now. And I mean, I know some. That's yeah, fair. I know some people have you know d they dive into a farm sim very similar to how they would dive into Animal Crossing. Um, it just kind of becomes a, mm -hmm. a parallel life. Um, and as I understand it, the storyline behind Stardew Valley is basically that it's the idea you're kind of stuck in the rat race and you want to get out and it's, it's a very appealing idea. Well, exactly. So it's very easy to commit to. And like, I'm kind of the same, like I love Harvest Moon and I fully invested when I'm in it, but I have to do it in doses and step away mm -hmm. for a bit because every once in a while you crave a different flavor, but I like to go back to my farm to have that escape and. I've always loved that uh, if I if I can't find the pastoral life in real life, then I'll find it somewhere else, right? Yeah. So that's pretty neat. I mean, I might give it another shot. There's some currently in the market for a long-term quarantine game. So... Uh, yeah, so you can always go back to your Stardew Valley farm, right? Yeah, or I could, you know, finally bite the bullet and get Final Fantasy XIV that's currently on sale on Steam. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, that's also another one. That, uh, yeah, there's, it's very easy to commit to just one flavor or, uh, yeah, diversify as needed. But I uh, I just still don't think Harvest Moon or Story Seasons or any of that Rune Factory are, are dead by comparison to Stardew Valley. Because at the end of the day, it's um it's how much anime do you want in your farm sim, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Because definitely Rune Factory and Harvest Moon, but more so Rune Factory because of the combat. And there's there's a lot of JRPG anime storytelling elements for sure. And I'm sure uh, Nathan can agree. And it's probably something that could attract you more to it than, say, a little more indie hometown. I wouldn't say it's fully North American because it's definitely still rooted in JRPG. But like Stardew Valley has its drama and its interrelationships. But it's definitely, I would argue, probably not as wacky and zany as Rune Factory could get. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I haven't played Stardew Valley, like, that much. I remember I bought it and then just didn't, it just didn't grab me as Rune Factory does. So... I don't know. Maybe one day I'll go back and give it another shot, but it's like for me, Rune Factory is still yeah, my. It's the skin, right? Yeah, Rune Factory to me is still the king of farming sims. There you go.
And then, of course, there's people who just want the real-life management, and they'll just play Farming Simulator. And there is a very deep community for that as well. That is true. I, I know a lot of people like uh, love Farming Simulator, so teach their own, right? Yeah, it's... Exactly. There, and there's like a very diverse choice out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for Friends of Mineral Town to come up because that's when I didn't really get around to playing myself. So seeing it ported over, it might be one that uh, I could get my hands mm-hmm. on and uh, try it out. But we'll yeah. see what, how it all shakes down. Right now, I'm not in the market to buy any new games right now just because, uh, you know, layoffs. Woo! Mm-hmm. But speaking of free things to play, uh, Bravely Default... We got a surprise uh, demo for Bravely Default 2 when they had uh, a Nintendo Direct that no one was expecting, and um, they made no mention of anything that that, that Tyler oh, likes. Oh, right, yeah. But mm. they do. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, I, I won't tease you too hard, Tyler. Uh, they did talk about the new uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive, um yeah, remaster uh how's that shaping up it looks very pretty very very pretty and i'm excited for the um extra epilogue that they're adding the future connected which will looks like it'll explore more of the bionis and it um links into two a bit better too right um, i've heard we'll see i i'm betting it it looks like it will be they i know for like the character alvis they uh well like i don't know if it's slight Blade spoiler so I, I i won't go into it but it does look like they're trying to link it more into Blade 2 very cool and it's yeah just got a nicer cleaner ui i it's it's shaping up to be really nice i mean obviously the remaster on the 3ds was remaster ish but like yeah, they're both looking dated even though they still push the wii so hard but yeah this is going to be a very welcome addition i think to the switch library yeah, may so 29th that's exciting can't come fast enough mm-hmm. Or I guess it could. Who knows? Uh, depends on what you want to play. But uh, yeah, we got the Bravely Default 2 demo that was announced during that as well. And that game is looking really sharp too. Uh, I like uh, how it's still maintaining the aesthetic of Bravely Default with like the beautiful lush 2D uh, cities and such. Um, it starts you out in the demo itself by prefacing that it's going to be a challenging game. You're at around level 10. And the enemies are a bit tough because they want you to explore the few jobs that you have available to you at this point, which in um, uh, in terms of the first game, you have the freelancer, and then it's basically the first few jobs that you get in the original game, which would have been black mage, white mage, the monk, and the knight, although in this game it's called, uh, instead of knight, they're called vanguards. So you get access to all these jobs, you they're all level one, so you don't really have any of their skills, but you have the chance to kind of get out and grind. So the demo does require you to get out and grind a bit. So I've uh, started out exploring the city of, uh, I'm, I think it's called Silvano, uh, Salvano. My brain's now mixing it with Silvando. And I'm like, <laughs> ah. And so you're in this like desert town that you've just arrived at searching for the four crystals because it gives you a little bit of a preface because this demo basically is a little standalone thing kind of like the demo was for bravely default back when it was its own standalone thing just to give you a taste of the game a bit further along but if it's like bravely default i think you'll be rewarded for having a save file if you get the full game which would be neat because i think we got some in-game items and perks and stuff when uh if you had an existing save and then you bought the game after the fact but it's been so long since i played it on 3ds i can't remember now but i uh i put a good amount of time into it and this feels very much like the same kind of taste of what the world and what the gameplay will be like so it all is very similar to bravely default just looks a lot better 
it's almost like they took like the 3d models and stuff of bravely default and kind of meshed it with uh like the style of like the new Link's awakening game like it's halfway in between there it's a bit of like like a tactics final fantasy tactics kind of like chibi kind of look but they also all look like they're kind of made out of like a clay shiny 3d uh model kind of thing so like the monsters are really cool and well detailed but also just look a little like cartoony like they've done a good job of marrying the 3d with the cartoony vibe which i like but it also means like when they talk it looks a little i don't know like i'm i I like and don't like the style all at the same time but i would say i lean more it's probably like a 95 five percent thing so it's really not so bad the four characters though it's they're all basically the same characters for um if anyone i mean john you're just starting bravely default just Have you started. found the full party yet or no i mean when i just started bravely default i mean i just got my second party <laughs> member and nathan you played through all of bravely default did you not i made it through like parts of really default and then once i hit that that part of really default i was like eh let's (laughs) watch another game (laughs) oh i like the tap dancing that's that's going on here around not trying to spoil me yes exactly will you tender to uh your experience and tyler did you beat it i played a few hours and then i heard about what happens later and i stopped (laughs) fair enough uh, you guys are making me feel great about this decision <laughs> you know you you'll have a good time yeah you'll you might enjoy it it's um it's like it's not so much like we want to spoil it for you or like tell you what it is but at the same time you know maybe after the fact if you want we can talk about it because it is i guess help to be aware of it i suppose what happens and just know that if you accept it's there kind of push through it it's worth it but if you don't know it's there, it can be very frustrating, I find. So I was kind of happy to kind of figure out, oh, this is what's going on after I had gone through that moment a couple times and was like, oh, this is what I need to do? Oh, okay, cool. And not that I like got the solution, but I just knew, oh, I need to change up what I'm doing. And anyways, it's it can be a lot uh, for people. And a lot of people have fallen off of it because of that. But I recommend to both of you fellows, definitely go back now that you've had the palate cleanse maybe and finish it off because it it's cool and the final battle's rad and... Anyways, it's awesome. From what I've read, the Breakly Default 2, it sounds like it's going to be a completely new story, very similar in the sense that like Final Fantasy games are never related to the previous Final Fantasy games. So, I mean, if you guys wanted to jump on that, you probably could. True. That's true, too. I think it will be related in some way to the original Breakly Default, because I think that's why they called it Breakly Default 2. So it just like, takes place in the same world yeah. or something like that. It's kind of like Xenoblade Chronicles, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I guess. Yeah, maybe. It's... So far, like, obviously I don't have a b- bigger broad scheme of the thing. Maybe it's on a different continent or whatever uh, to what the world was past. Well, even then, no, you jumped around to different continents. So maybe we are in a different world, but it definitely uses the same system. It's the Brave default system where you stock up your Brave and then execute moves, or you can just go all out and then you're in a deficit and kind of defenseless until you get it back. One thing they changed up, which I'm not sure if I... I think just the whiny control freak in me doesn't like it, but I think it is actually for the better that they changed it up in the combat because, as um, you all may remember, you you basically get to assign all of your actions to your team and then things play out, right? If I recall. I yeah, that's what was happening. So, yeah. That's what's happening to me anyway. Yeah, whereas now you do it on a turn-by-turn basis. So the first party member will be up, whoever, I'm not sure if it's based on agility or whatever, but I assume it's based on some sort of speed stat. And you can choose to do your action, whether it's, you know, attack, use a spell, or a brave or default. And then they will immediately execute that action. And then in between, enemies could. So 
like I said, the control freak in me is like, but it, I wanted everyone to default and be on the defense because when you default, you defend, you charge up your brave, and then you're able to unleash it, but you take less damage. But if the enemy acts before I default, I'm just like, well, what the heck was the point? But I guess, you know, it flips over to the next turn where they will be still defaulted if the enemy goes again. So it all kind of does work out, but it just threw me off when I was expecting to be able to just like rip through my entire strategy and lay out my turn. And this time you only do it on a character by character basis. So that's a kind of a nice fresh recharge, uh, a nice fresh take on the, the battle system. So that's one thing that's definitely changed, but they still have like the battle speed adjustment and... Uh, I haven't noticed if you can adjust the encounter rate or not, because this time enemies appear on the map, too. That's another different thing. So you can actually use some strategy, kind of like, you know, think of it like Earthbound and such, where you see them and then you touch them and then it engages you in a battle. They can come and attack you if they catch you off guard or you catch them off guard. There's advantages. You can also swing your sword on the map. And if you can land a hit on them, you'll start the battle with um, one brave for the entire team. So... Their strategy and how do you approach each individual battle as well. So I like that, though. That's a nice change. It makes the battles more engaging. Hmm. But otherwise, yeah, the party all kind of seems similar. I would argue the voice acting and the writing is a bit better in this one. But yeah, all the, the voice acting is definitely better, but that could also just be symptomatic of the writing being better overall. But uh, I really liked the banter between the characters, even though, again, all four of them are basically the same characters from the first one so far, where you have, like, your plucky young adventurer uh, and then you have the the more stoic um slightly uptight calm demure character the the spunky warrior girl character and the uh the brash older guy who likes to hit on things possibly or is just a bit more of a rogue or whatever in what ways this one he seems to have a drinking thing less of a hitting on thing but uh yeah it's he's scottish so that's fun uh and then there's a character who like they've diversified the accents which is nice too so there there's a character named adele i i don't know who the actor is but i love her accent it's great it gives some nice flavor to that character as well but it's all being really well executed so it seems like they're putting the same level of love and passion though that was definitely into bravely default which is one of the biggest things i think that attracted a lot of us to it because that game looks awesome yeah it's beautiful i love that uh whenever you like come into a town and then it has that big pan out so you can kind of they can show off the work that they've done on the on the detail on the map, and the same they've they've maintained that in this as well, and the night to day cycle on how the whole town kind of changes up a bit from that as well, and you still seem to be on a quest to find the four crystals, so it's very much like a core Final Fantasy in its experience, which is a throwback to Final Fantasy four, four Warriors of Light, four Heroes of Light, four Heroes of Light. Yeah, it was four Heroes of Light. Which, which uh... yeah, which basically set the stage for the whole Bravely Default series. So the spiritual prequel. Yeah, and the spiritual, uh, yeah, it's exactly the spiritual prequel to the entire thing that established this kind of gameplay and art style and everything. So it's it's good. They're they're holding it up really really well. So yeah, Johnny, you've literally pretty much have just started Bravely Default. Uh, was that at all motivated by the fact that Bravely Default Two is coming up? Or a little bit. I saw the uh, trailer for Bravely Default Two, and I mean, it looks stunning. It's funny you said. Obviously, it maintains the Bravely Default art style, um, and I know it's not the same. I know it's not the same developer, but it reminded me a fair bit of the way that uh, the the depth of field, it reminds me a fair bit of Octopath Traveler, actually. There's definitely some correlations in there, which we've had some hints even back when like Octopath was getting some of its anniversary stuff, too. They were hinting at the tie-in between the two as well. Yeah, and I mean, if Octopath is... if Oct- You know, I've, I've only played Octopath Traveler, and I had a 
good experience, slightly mixed, was slightly underwhelmed. Um, but it strikes me that if Octopath Traveler is the Sega is the Sega series, then Bravely Default's Final Fantasy. So it's like it's like <laughs> that's fair. It's like they're related, but Bravely is very story focused, whereas Octopath is not. And I know again, it's you know they're two different series, and they they have some crossover with the developers, but not the development team. Yeah, you can see the influence, but not. Uh, yeah, there's no like cookie cutter of each. There's a much more, I would argue, final. Well, no, they're they're both different flavors of Final Fantasy. Like, I would say Octopath is very much like later Final Fantasy in terms of like it's very akin to like six, for example. It looks like six, and it, the battles play like six. But I would argue, in terms of the structure and the way that the the actual story is told. It's much more like a, a romancing saga title, which I oh, interesting. which I believe anyone who's listened to this show will know I am not um, in love You're with. You're a huge fan. What are you talking about? <laughs> you love those games. Oh, they're yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I just got this. I just got this weird flash. That's okay. We're moving. It. We'll move forward. Let's move forward. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, Nathan, you played Octopath, didn't you? I did. I also reviewed it for our site. Okay, that's right. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so Nathan, you played Octopath, and you've played a bit of Bravely. Like, between the two, I guess, which formats, like, which would you prefer? Um, the styles and gameplay are pretty similar. Um, I think I prefer Octopaths, personally, but, the like, it's almost the same. Like, basically the way you, the Bravely Default system works in, well, Bravely mm-hmm. Default is... The break boost. Yeah, bas- it's almost the same as in Octopath Traveler, so, like... Because I haven't played Octopath too yeah. extensively, so I don't know it's, if the pacing of the battle is a bit different. It's generally the same, except uh, you don't have to default uh, to gain another boost point. But otherwise, that's pretty much the same. Oh, okay. It reminded me a fair bit of it. I, I'm just looking at our, our respect reviews. I, re- I reviewed the PC version. You liked it four points higher than I did. You gave it an 88, and I gave it an 84. But both of us liked it. Yeah, like it was a very yeah. enjoyable game. Like I, I probably would have liked it a lot more if the story was better. But uh, that was yeah. This is me. Oh yeah. <laughs> That was it. It was the story, and that was the only thing about the game I didn't particularly love. And yeah, it sounded like it should have been like a nice character piece, and it hasn't. Didn't really quite nail that, so to speak. Although everyone does like each of the individual characters. It's, yeah, it, I mean, when you looked at it, it's hard because they have no set protagonist, so the story can go in like totally different directions depending on, on who you started off with. So it's just like it's it's more of just like a gameplay, like the way the gameplay is set up, rather than over the story zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, when when you look at Octopath Traveler, at least for me, because nostalgia, the, the first thing I thought was, oh, Final Fantasy 3, or 6, but, <laughs> but like, you start playing it, and you're like, okay, it feels, and it looks like Final Fantasy 6, but it doesn't, pl- it doesn't play like it in terms of the way the story is unfolding. It plays much more mm-hmm. like a saga title. Um, so that even though it has that broadcast, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't really give you that focus. So I suppose that was something that actually disappointed me when I was playing it. But it looks like Bravely Default uh, and Bravely Default Two, and I feel sorry. I feel sad for Bravely Second now. <laughs> Will we get a Bravely Second Two? Two? I mean, this they just review their they they name their titles just ridiculous things. So probably. <laughs> Yes, who knows. Uh, Tyler, you played them both as well. Like Again, is there a preference between the two formats that you like? I mean, I I actually, well, I say I beat Octopath Traveler, but I didn't like do like the super secret final dungeon. Um, but I definitely, like battle system wise um, and overall gameplay, I did enjoy Octopath more. But um, as you guys have already said, like there was just a real 
lack of structure to the overall story that it kind of became kind of a grind later in the game. Yeah, and I think I find Bravely Default owns its grind up front because it does play very classic Final Fantasy, but it's uh, and the combat's there to kind of facilitate the movement of the story. But it is a very story heavy piece, very character heavy piece, which does make you commit to it more. And if it wasn't for certain gameplay hiccups in the original, it probably would have gotten people more into it. And I think that was them just trying to shake things up and add a twist that didn't fully land, but they were able to establish. Uh, a good groundwork, which I think they've done with Octopath, and I'd be really excited to see what the next Octopath Traveler is if they've kind of nailed that system and look so well, and then <laughs> you get a bit more investment into the characters and into the story, and if they're able to mm-hmm. make the characters come together better, yeah, oh, it can make yeah. all the difference. That was the the thing. It had really good characters, but they just had no chemistry between them whatsoever in Octopath Traveler. Yeah, there was just no interaction between them. Mm-hmm. yeah whereas in bravely default and they've kept it in bravely default 2 too as well there we go uh which is uh is, is great is that um the character chatter thing that kind of happened every once in a while based on i'm never really sure what it was if it was based on certain events based on actions or if it was they just randomly cropped up but you would get a little prompt that would say that characters want to interact and then you could get them to start chattering with each other about one thing or the other so that already has happened in the first few moments of the demo for me i was out and about and all of a sudden, two of them needed to talk about how hot it was outside because they were in a desert. And that's just kind of fun character building. It doesn't really serve the story. It doesn't build relationships between the two of them. Like, say, if you were playing Dragon Age Origins or something like that, and the characters had banter between them, and then eventually you would develop some sort of relational thing between them that influences you know, what kind of choices you make, how much they like you. It's just there to character build and make them seem like, oh, this is a cohesive party that should be chatting amongst one another. And I think like, that's great and if they can get that into Octopath as well, that sounds like, yeah, it would definitely fix a lot of the problems for the game. But uh, I also, which, again, I haven't played Octopath, but I do know that Bravely Default, if you played your card rights and understood the system of the job classes and the ability assignments and such well enough, you could break, not fully break the game, but you can make some pretty game-breaking classes. Like I had an Agnes who was a monk and i had her coupled up with i think um, a red mage ability that basically every single time she killed an enemy she gained back her bp so i could basically make her max out her her brave right at the beginning so she'd be in a minus four deficit but she would just kill everything with one shot and be back at like flat to do it again next turn if i wanted and it was pretty disgusting uh, and then I could also couple her up with a switch up the abilities for boss fights where she could also like really regain her BP really easy and just be wrecking things. Um, so that was very satisfying. Um, was it was uh, Octopath is easy to break? Yeah. Yeah, you can break things. Yeah. Yeah. There were certain uh, there were certain classes and abilities that if you paired them, you just became mm-hmm. it, it was I will say that it, I the last dungeon, like the special secret last dungeon drove me crazy because I got to it and I I just plowed through all of the the pre bosses like without any without a sweat like I just got through all of them it was simple I was barely even paying attention by that point and then I hit the final boss and it was like running into a brick wall the difficulty curve just shot upward so friggin hard that I, I couldn't I couldn't touch him so uh, yeah I but you can break the game in a fun way and that's the important right I I didn't feel like I was 
in a non-fun way for sure. Although I definitely did um, a second playthrough, or had started a second playthrough of Bravely Default, understanding how the game works. And you have, like, have you been doing much with the little town as well, where, like, it kind of uh, almost plays, not like a, a mobile phone game where, like, you have to wait for time and stuff to accrue and develop your town? Have you gotten that? I don't know if you got that that early in the game just yet. But you get it pretty early in. I just got my second. I just got my second party member. Like I was just the, okay. the airship just bombed the crap out of the cave as I was running through it. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So yeah, very shortly. It's not much of a spoiler, but you'll you'll get like a little side project that kind of functions like one of those um, mobile phone games where like you can build something, but like it'll take like this will take a minute and a half to build. You can hurry it by. And usually in the mobile games, you have to pay pay money for it. And this, it's certain stuff you could get or you just have to wait so uh, you would fine with the 3ds you know you would set something up that's going to be like oh it's going to take 10 hours to build this thing or eight hours and you would just shut it and put it to sleep for the night and then when you woke up the next day oh it's built now i can do something else and it unlocks some special shop stuff for you and things mm. oh, I- so i had done that i'd gotten to the point in the game in my in my new save and had basically just been running my 3ds to build up this town, even though I wasn't progressing the story at all. And I had pretty much had the entire town rebuilt in like the first like hour, arguably of gameplay for the game. So then once I grinded enough, I basically bought everybody like a way too powerful bow for what level they were at and was able just to one shot everything. And it was kind of a very <laughs> funny, I, I've broken the game at the moment for myself just to see if I could. And it was very funny that I could do that. <laughs> so I've got all these like level five, three Lancers, just like one shotting everything with like the best, one of the best bows in the game, which is pretty gross. And it was able to let me really just tank through things real fast. <laughs> so if you um, know how to manipulate them, they're very easy to break. And it's good to know that you can kind of do that in both. It rewards player ingenuity, I guess. And I imagine that's going to be very present with the, the brave default system in this game as well. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't mind if you can break a game if you have to earn it. It's if you can break a game like without yes. even trying. It's like getting a game genie code and you can just play through it. That drives me crazy. But if you have to spend a good couple of hours grinding to figure out the combination, then that you've earned the break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, making a, a monk Ramza with two hands, that's a commitment. And But its it pays off when you're demolishing everything with a double hit of like 900 damage hit points worth of damage <laughs> back in Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, that was a fun game to break as well. At any rate, I yeah, I agree with you. It's if you can game the system but earn it, it's totally worthwhile. At any rate, uh we have talked about many games, but uh one that we keep teasing for you all, I would say, is uh the fact that Persona 5 Royal is coming up. Nathan is very excited about it. If you haven't checked out Nathan's review on progress, please go do so. Uh, yeah, how's, how is the Persona 5 Royal? How's the change up from, uh, with the new version? Uh, it's the point now where I don't even want to go back to Persona 5 anymore. Like, Persona 5 Royal is definitely the much better version. Like, by a lot. And, um, yeah, take me through, what what have they improved in this version? Uh, where do I start? <laughs> um... So they've changed a lot of things. So they've started with probably uh, changing the palaces. So palaces are a lot easier. Um, change up the gameplay. So you can use guns now whenever you want. Because before you had to be careful how you spent all your bullets. But now bullets are automatically refreshed after every battle. So you can just use them liberally. Uh, they added new... Like this new thing called Will Seeds. Will Seeds will restore your SP if, every time you pick them up in palaces, which is a huge boost early on in the game when you don't have a lot of SP to work with early. Um, 
Are there won't seeds that won't recharge your SP? <laughs> no. no, there aren't any won't seeds. <laughs> I'll be here all day, everybody. <laughs> Try the liver. But uh, they also allow you early on, like, well, basically before you, if you travel to a dungeon, you couldn't do anything that night, and then Morgana will tell you to go to bed. That doesn't happen as much anymore. You can now, like, stick around your house, and you can do things around your house after exploring a dungeon, which is huge. And even after some story events, because nice. before... In some story events, Morgana will be like, okay, we got a big day tomorrow, let's go to sleep. But no, he'll actually just let you go out and do stuff. Well, not go out, but I mean, awesome. you know, we'll let you do some activities in your house. So There's kind of more to do. That's cool. A lot more to do, a lot more freedom. So it's overall, it's Less pretty, waiting around. Yeah. There's not a lot of dead time, because sometimes in Persona 5, you'd have that, like, like after you finish a palace, there'd be like almost like this dead period where you wait for the next thing to happen. And then every single time, Morgana will tell you to go to sleep. And it was super frustrating because it would break up like the pacing of the game because every day it would just be like story and then you have to go to bed and then that was basically it. But now with this version, you can actually do stuff in between. That's cool. And the combat, so that is, does the unlimited bullets thing uh, basically make combat faster or like how has it changed the shape of you how you approach combat uh it helps a lot early on because early on in the first dungeon the lot of enemies are weak to bullets but because you didn't have you had a limit on bullets before you really didn't want to use them and you had to be very strategic in how you use bullets but now you can actually just use them liberally now but it doesn't help a lot later on in the game like it's mainly for the first two dungeons or so but still it's a nice thing to have do you find that it makes it too easy now? Like it doesn't make, it, does it remove too much of the strategy or is it still engaging enough that you didn't find you're just kind of like mashing through it and it's brainless now? Uh, it's definitely more like geared towards anyone who's new starting Persona 5 or just Persona for the first time in general. Um, if you're a veteran of Persona, I'm sure you'll find this like, it's probably a little bit too easy for you now because I was watching Scott on his stream yesterday. He just blew through the first palace pretty much. So for, for people like... Scott, who played all the Persona games up to this point. It's probably a little bit too easy now, but for anyone who's new, this is the perfect point to jump in, because it's not as punishing as it originally was. And yeah, so Tyler, you've played Persona 5 uh, Persona 5, so yes. uh, do these tra- are these changes attracting you to Royal? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because like, especially being able to use bullets without having to worry about running out and being able to do stuff at night that sounds really really appealing but i it's it's, it's funny phrasing like that you wanna you wanna do stuff at <laughs> night huh go do some uh, stuff <laughs> anyways sorry bad. carry on no it's no fine. it's just i'm just being silly um so let's that, that's, that's three weeks at home what do you want from me um, I I did have a, a question though. Um, ha, I mean, have you gotten the the new character, uh, playable character that's for Persona Five Royal? I have yeah. not, and I get the feeling I'm not going to until I hit the new content, which is like the end game. So uh, unfortunately for oh. for anyone who is hoping to have the new character on your team for the for the game, that's uh, I'm unfortunately I'm going to shoot that down because I'm about to approach the final dungeon of the original game, and she's still not on the team oh. yet. So I, holy crap! Yeah, so she's only for oh. the uh, for the last dungeon, I assume. That's too bad. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, because that's so one reason that the shape too much. That's kind of why I'm not too eager to play Royal because I put over 100 hours into the original and I'm like, I don't know if I have the willpower to go through the game again 
and then have to wait till it get to the new content like that. Yeah, like the thing is, you could still hang out with her, like, but like before she joins you, so it's not like she's not in the oh. story. See, so, because you can still like, you know, level up her confidant to a certain point. So, like, it's not like a waste. It's not like a like you know, oh, like everything's saved until like the you know the third semester. But uh, okay. So like, just, like there's, there are a couple new characters that uh, that get, they introduce you. You can still hang out with them like early on in the game. So it's not like it's like, you know, everything's right at the end of the game. So there's that. Well, that's good. I've never played a Persona game. I've told that four is the way, the place to kind of jump in. Although five sounds like with Royal, the improvements are enough now that maybe help it. Have they changed much in the story as well? Because I know there were some problematic elements with you know handling. Um, some gender issues and LGBTQ issues and stuff too and uh, yeah how much have they adapted and taken criticism for that or is it just the same sort of thing uh, for the story overall it's generally the same they, they um, like in, in between they'll have scenes with the new characters that uh, weren't in the original one they just kind of just insert them in pretty cleverly so it's kind of like like you know just what would have would have been a random day in the game they now have like a character interaction with the the, the new characters so there's that. Uh, in terms of the the parts with the LGBT scenes that were heavily criticized, uh, it's more ambiguous now, like in terms of like the abuse. Because I play on Japanese dub, and it's pretty obvious that they didn't change the dialogue in the original version, because it still sounds. Because I was listening to it, I'm like, that's not what the, the what the uh, the English text is saying. But but in terms, of, I'm assuming for the English dub, they have changed it. And like I said, it's, it's definitely not as like predatory as it was in the original version well that's an important thing to adapt and i guess it's know your audience i suppose yeah, yeah. And i guess that was a bigger deal yeah. here and now it's just a beast of a game so that's more just what's been taking time for you that it's just been a long game i know you had you were under the weather and stuff too and had to take some break from that but for the most part it's just it's a long game yeah it's a long game i'm at 105 hours now and like i said just approaching the final dungeon of the original game so i still got another like 20 hour or so hours to go like, I should be able to pump that out the next few days and then have my review up, hopefully by next week. So probably by the time this episode is out, your review should be out as it well. Should so be, yeah. That's exciting. Uh, John, have you ever personaed? I haven't. It's one of those games that I've just completely and utterly missed, although I'm looking for a new... Uh, I'm looking for a replacement for Yakuza, so hey, there's enough of them. <laughs> this is a good quarantine game, just, just saying. A <laughs> 120-hour game, you know. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, if you got the time to commit to it, and why the heck not? And building your social links and all that stuff. So, so largely, it's a lot of the same. Just a few quality of life things that kind of fix the pacing of the game, I guess, from the sound. Yeah, which is huge because there were a lot of pacing issues with the original Persona Five. So this helps a lot, and like it, like it just feels better. Like I don't really know how to describe it until you played it. It just like everything just like works way better than it used to. And are you playing it more handheld or TV? Only on PS4, so only on TV. Well, for me, I'm playing on remote play, so I'm mute because uh, my TV's usually taken most of the time. You probably might be able to hear in the background now. But uh, my TV's usually taken, so I usually play it on my computer through remote play. So that's how I play it. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought it was... Uh... Oh, I guess P5R isn't... No, uh... the P5... Switch exclusive. P5S is on Switch, and then P5R. Persona 5 Royal here. This is only on PS4. That's what I'm confused with, with S and R. And S... Is S got the same stuff as R in it? Do we? Uh, I haven't looked too deeply. No, Scra- Persona Five Scramble is a Musou game or a Musou-like game, and uh, hasn't been 
announced for a Western release, and Atlas just put out a survey that asked us if we want it. And so I'm just guessing localization hasn't started on that game yet, which makes me very sad. Ah, so we shall see what happens, I guess, with that down the road. So P5R, it's so weird. Uh, I wonder, like, is there going to be, like, an upgrade if you, like, want to download, like, a DLC upgrade for people who got P5 and can get this version? Like, how are they... It seems very uh, cheeky. I, don't, I highly doubt it. Yeah, I highly doubt that will happen. And, like, like all the stuff that they had to put into P5R to make it different will probably not fit into the base game, like, in any way, unless they drastically change the code of the original game. So I get the feeling that this is not going to... Like, it's just not going to happen. It seems like such a, an annoying thing for consumers to have to go through, like, to invest in this game that you've been waiting so long for, and then the developers go back and... Now we've relieved, released this better version of it. Mm. That probably should have been the original, and this is, you know, the argument we've had in the past with with DLC, and sometimes you find that you'll get, like, a DLC story release very shortly after the launch of a game, and it's clear, it seems clear that, like, that was probably intended for the initial launch, but then you held it off either because it wasn't ready, or you just wanted to make, like, 20 more bucks, and it just, it seems like, yeah, like, uh, you know, Dragon Quest XI-S it's saving grace is the fact that it was switch only so that's a nice change i guess and for switch owners who didn't have the access to the other versions that's one thing and but if you had all those consoles and knew that down the road this was coming it's like well you'd almost hold out and obviously they can't telegraph that or it's going to hurt their sales but it just it almost makes you want to be a little like gun shy with pulling the trigger and getting the first launch of it for like well what if they do the the bigger better version now or the remaster version right yeah i understand people's frustrations with uh persona 5 royal and how you know it's so short like it's so short a time period like persona 5 only came out three years ago um well not even three years ago like it's it's technically two years like 10 10 or 11 months ago so it's not even like that long so i understand why people are upset but it's pretty clear atlas listened to the criticism that persona 5 had and they made the necessary changes and Persona 5 Royal is so much better game because of that. So if you have somehow never played Persona 5, uh, you should pick up Royal, and this is definitely the best version. It's like the the green side of me like uh, is disheartened by it because obviously, like, well, now there's going to be like all these discs turned into. I mean, obviously not right now because you can't go into a store and trade stuff in and get your return on it if you didn't do it before stores were closed down. But like people. It's just like all the stuff's just going to be sitting on shelves. It's like, well, why would you invest in? Because it's not going to depreciate that much yet. Why would you even bother buying even a used version of Persona Five when you may as well just buy a Persona Five Royal, right? So it's just all this waste, all these abandoned discs out there. It's like it may well be just abandoned wear at this point because you may as well just buy Persona Five R because it's not like it's a console exclusive or anything like that either, right? So it's mm, kind of like, yeah. well, what was the point? Anyways, that's a bigger, I guess, conversation, so to speak. But it's. I just it doesn't seem very consumer friendly, in general, for companies to have this sort of practice. Yeah, like I, I don't know, what, what do you I'm do? sure people wouldn't have had this much backlash against Royal if it came out like say like two years from now, but or it came out on PS5. Yeah, and it was just like a last ditch grab for money yeah, or something. Yeah. That, that's that, and then, or it was a PS5 thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Jono? I think that I can't even call it a trend at this point because it is basically the. It's basically the way things are done. It's a practice now almost. It's an established practice. Um, And I think that we're going to be seeing more and more enhanced versions of games come out in the future. Um, I would be very surprised, actually, if a lot of companies didn't start doing that within the next year. uh, Because there's going to be uh, a lot of stopping and starting of work on a lot of games. And if they can 
go back and release a updated version of something with a little bit more content on a different after exclusivity is gone. Uh, that's going to save them a lot of money and give them another product. Um, I mean, just talking about Dragon Quest uh, 11s, I can't help but wonder if the if the uh, Switch exclusive stuff, the 2D version of the game, the uh, the enhanced audio stuff like that, might be Switch exclusive and then come later this year. Uh, it won't either come as a DLC. It'll come as a DLC update to the PC and the uh, PlayStation 4 version. Which we had talked about. We're hoping yeah. that could have been the case. So yeah, PS4 buyers and whatnot yeah. wouldn't be That's left hang out to dry. And I don't think there's like, it's not as extensive as what Nathan was saying for P5R. So it could conceivably happen, but there hasn't been any announcement or mention of it. So it's just like, are they, yeah, just leaving initial uh, purchasers out to dry. I understand. But it, I, I genuinely, as a, as a consumer and a lover of video games, I do find it to be an annoying practice where, like, I love, mm-hmm. I love the idea of that releasing a remaster or a an updated version with new content years after it comes out, even like five years after it comes out, because five years later you might be on a completely different console generation. But like, a couple of you, like the, yeah, I, I appreciate that this game is better. And to be honest, listening has it even been a year yet. Yeah, you hearing you or it's been a bit over. Yeah, a bit over. But hearing you talk about this is really making me want to play this game. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind which version I would get. So it's irritating. Well, yeah. exactly. Like we, it's a I different mean, thing. I guess. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, to be fair, I guess. I mean, this has this isn't new to the Persona series. They did that with. Persona 3 with Fess and Persona 4 Golden, but it it still doesn't make it a a really good practice. And I, yeah, these games are so long that I I never feel compelled by any new content to go back to them. It's surprising that fans don't just pick up on that and just like, oh, we're all just going to wait for the inevitable better version. Uh, I think it's because Mm -hmm. the wait is so excruciating. Like Persona 5 was supposed to come out like, what, 2013 or 2014? And it took like 2017 for it to come out. It was, I think that's well, the Well, it definitely time. preys yeah. on, yeah, your desire for it, right? Yeah, for sure. It preys on your need and your addiction to the series and wanting to the next thing to like, well, what if, do I have to wait like another year to get like the better version? Do I want to? Do I want to risk it being spoiled? Or what if some people, yeah, don't wait and then I, ah, you know, mm-hmm. it's the FOMO and all that stuff starts playing in. It's, Yeah. But this whole thing is very different from, say, like, we just got an announcement saying uh, Code Princess, I think, that was on a 3DS, is being pulled from the 3DS eShop shortly. It got pulled already. It was, it was for example? Yeah, it got pulled now. And that's like they didn't announce really why, but the speculation is, you know, it's a, it's a business move because they're, an out, they're releasing uh, an advanced version for the Switch. So they're just like, well, why would we dilute our sales by letting people buy the cheaper older version and let's drive them to the newer better product that's full price now right so it's like i can get that like john said if it's several years later in a console generation switch like i can understand consumer or the the business doing that but yeah it's another thing holy for this practice uh, anyways yeah, the same console yeah, not yeah, a fan same console, yeah. that's what i can say <laughs> yeah exactly there's there's nicer ways to handle it i suppose but it's just yeah when it's just seems wasteful at this point it's weird at any rate uh yeah that's thanks for thanks for you know committing to to this game it's it sounds like it's uh it's been again a job for you no well i was happy too because i really want to go back to persona 5 but 
But when I heard P5R is coming out, I was, might as well wait to, to do another playthrough. And then, yeah, new you are. Again, like I said, it's on my radar. It's something I could eventually get to, but I think I'd probably, if I wanted to go invest in a big, long series, I'd probably pick Trails over this first. Ooh. <laughs> That's an investment, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, well, on that end, listeners, uh, I think we're going to wrap things up. We've had, had a lot of games to talk about, and uh, thank you so much for being on, fellows. Thank you, listeners, for listening. As always, you can... Uh, Give us an email at podcast at rpgfan.com or check with me on Discord. Uh, I've, I will continue to assault your ears with saying, email me, give me your attention. I want questions. Uh, I want to engage with you. And please feel free to do that. Otherwise, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch. We got all those streams going on. We're at rpgfan.com on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook and you can engage with us. Please reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And you can uh, also check out some of our other podcasts we got going on. I do lie when I said I haven't really been playing much in the way of RPGs. I have been playing Soul Blazer for Retro Encounter. I just didn't really go into it much because I go into it a lot on that. So go check out the uh, upcoming episodes of Retro Encounter where we play through Soul Blazer. Because that game's rad. I like blazing for souls. Yeah, just, just, just tell us, like, does it stand, does it hold up? Oh yeah, it's super fun. Awesome. Like the AI is terrible, but it is fun. I uh, I've, just, I've been enjoying the replay. Just the the AI is dumb as bricks, but there's a lot of fun little like the world exploration and unlocking things and the mechanic of it is really fun, and it still plays pretty smooth actually, which is neat. So that's been fun, and uh, yeah, check that out coming up. And otherwise, you got Hat and Eric with the Phoenix Edge podcast. They are continuing to, of course, uh, stream their recordings and such, if I'm not mistaken. So if you uh, need some live engagement with humans and want to engage with them on their show, go check out them and what they do. And uh, if you want to listen to music, all the back episodes of Rhythm Encounter are alive and well for you. Hopefully we'll get the series up and running now, maybe with this downtime. We don't know yet. We've got bigger things to fry at the website. So as always, check out rbgfan.com for all that stuff. Until next time, friends, Tyler, Jono, and Nathan, thank you so much for being on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Yeah, and I will hopefully get you back sooner than later. Uh, For myself and all these fine fellows, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye!